Hi, and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and one of the founders of Einblick Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips, and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs, and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed, and scale your business. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp. And today I'm excited to welcome someone onto the show that I've been following on LinkedIn for a bit. I personally believe that he's an influencer in his own right because he talks so passionately about topics that clearly resonate with a lot of people um, on that platform because they focus on, shall I say, uh, much needed conversations that we need to have in the B2B marketing space. You know, things like, um, should we be using market marketing acronyms so often as we do? Um, are there hacks to skyrocketing your LinkedIn target audience? And um, why it's important to write good content on LinkedIn consistently. So without further ado, Mr. Nick Bennett, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. All right, Nick. I mean, it's so good to have you on the show. So why don't we just get things started and uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do. Yeah, definitely. So I'm Nick. I, I live in Boston. And so I've been doing film marketing now for about uh, about eight years for, for various tech companies. And so I'm currently the director of film marketing at logs.io, which is um, Boston based, but they also have an Israeli um, office too. And so basically, you know, all about me, it's, you know, I, I play baseball in my spare time. I co-founded an adult baseball league. I'm super passionate about sports. Um, also super passionate about field marketing and in growing my brand on LinkedIn and trying to get more, you know, more people involved. It's, you know, everyone has something to say. And I think it's important that, that everyone knows that. Fantastic. And, you know, uh, so, thanks so much for sharing that. Um, Nick, tell us a little bit about a, you know, a current project that you're working on that's got you like really excited and motivated. Yeah, so so funny enough, I actually uh, I have about maybe ten projects on my plate right now that we're we're starting to get through. Wow. Um, so at Logs, we actually we're we're in the process of implementing Six Sense. So shout out to Six Sense if you, if you guys don't use it, it's um it's for intent data. Amazing how you pair that with with your ABM program. So we're building out that piece of it. We're also in the process of launching our own uh, user conference in November. So got a big piece in that. We've got some um, some really important sales and marketing alignment that I'm also going through process changes right now to make sure that both you know our marketing team as well as our sales team is aligned. Um, because before I got here. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't always at that point. So definitely, you know, starting to change some things around, um, which you know I'm passionate about. And then also just kind of, we we have a bunch of um, you know trade shows and just other events, webinars uh, that we're trying to, to to get wrapped up through the end of the year. So lots on my plate, but uh, I'm excited. Wow. <laughs> You know what they say, right? Like no rest for the wicked. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is definitely Absolutely. it. I mean, like you've got those. Um, that definitely sounds like uh, you're, you know, an exciting time, and uh, you, you, you know, you've got a lot of um things going on, and that's and that's really fantastic. Um, you mentioned something earlier, and that leads me to my next question. Um, because I want to discuss with you a, you know, a topic that you've been posting about quite regularly on LinkedIn. 
you've gotten also some great um, like responses and resonance. Uh, for, for the most part, I'm going to say they were positive. Um, and you've been and, and you've been talking about it in, um, on other interviews. And it's um, you know, short of stating the obvious, it's clearly something that you're passionate about because it focus uh, uh, it focuses on. Um, I'm going to use this archaic term. It focuses on an age-old conflict, right? That really needs to be addressed um, sooner rather than later, and it's the alignment or misalignment between sales and marketing, right? Right. So, before I ask my questions, I'm going to just uh, drop some uh, statistics on you, um, you know, and some research findings. So, point number one: sales and marketing misalignment is the number one reason why an organization's annual revenue stagnates or worse declines. And that's according to Harvard Business Review, right? So point number two, 60 to 70% of B2B content is never used because the subject topics are irrelevant to the buyer audience. That's a jaw-dropping statistic. Um, And that's according to a research conducted by the Content Marketing Institute. Uh, Point number three, 79% of marketing leads never convert due to a failure to nurture uh, consumer connections. And that's according to HubSpot. And the final point, as sales cycles and selling situations become more intricate. So when we say more intricate, we're talking about an average of about 6.8 stakeholders involved in any one deal. Sales teams will rely heavily on high quality marketing produced content to help them tell the story that resonates and closes deals. And again, that's according to the Harvard Business Review. So, so apologies, that was a long story to get to the point. But um, here are the questions. Why do you think there's always been such a misalignment between sales and marketing and state some of the major causes? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think it's just because, you know, They've always been so siloed and Mm. and sales thinks that they can do marketing's job. Although I don't think in some cases marketing thinks they can do sales job. Mm. I just think that sales thinks that they can sometimes be better off alone. And I think, I think I, I see this more in enterprise sales reps than I do in kind of, you know, SMB or mid market. Um, but what's interesting is, so Casey Graham, who's the CEO of Gravy, he, he mm-hmm. summed it up really well on, on LinkedIn recently. And he basically was saying, you know, when marketers talk to CEOs, it's like SQL, MQL, SQO, MQO, yeah. organic, all of this stuff. But he wants to know how did these activities produce net new revenue? Mm-hmm. And I basically have always said that marketing should be held accountable to a revenue number because it only strengthens the alignment between sales and marketing. And what's interesting is I actually had uh, someone that follows me on LinkedIn reach out to me today. And um, he said, you know, your, your content starting conversations. And he said, after seeing um, his post, his CEO, COO reached out to him and mm-hmm. called him and they talked to 30 minutes. Basically, he has a group with other fellow SaaS leaders. They've been talking about this, this discussion, should marketing be held accountable to a revenue number? Does it strengthen the alignment between the two? And I think it's a conversation that needs to be had because at the end of the day, we're all, we're all growing towards the same goal, which is revenue. You know, it's, as you know, you know, selling is a team sport. It's some people used to always refer to it as you, you gotta be a sales athlete, but that's, that's the furthest from a truth. Like, sales, marketing, customer success, solution engineers, 
everyone is working towards the same goal, which is closing deals, producing revenue. And I guarantee you, especially nowadays with B2B companies, probably all of those people are touching a prospect or a customer. Like it's not just sales that's closing deals anymore. And I think it's important that everyone just starts to get aligned more towards the, the idea of revenue. That is such a great insight, Nick. And thanks, uh, thanks again for sharing that. And you know, you know, you touched on a couple of points that I thought were really like, um, you know, spot on. And you know, that that one being that, um, you know, it just it shouldn't just be the salespeople that are held accountable for like uh, revenue generation. And certainly, uh, marketing should have a key role in that equation as well. Um, would you also agree that? Um, and, and I suppose, um, uh, in, in a way, to avoid overlapping, that there should be. Um, there should be a way that both sides, like uh, in both sides, I mean, uh, sales and marketing, of course, that they can use their skills to complement each other or they have complementary skills. And, you, you know, once they once they have this alignment that they that they use this combined strength to actually move, um, you know, uh, move the conversation forward and generate those results that they've, you know, that they've set out to do. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's important to align on what the actual goals are. I mean, is it something, are you looking at marketing qualified leads? Because I can tell you 100% that sales doesn't care what an MQL is. Sales, right. sales cares about how you're going to drive pipeline and at the end of the day, make them money. And if you can both get on the same mind, like wavelength of basically what's important, and not only what's important, but what are the actual numbers of these metrics that you should be doing? Because if marketing says, okay, we should be doing this, but sales thinks you should be producing a higher number, or maybe it's a lower number, like it's still going to come back to a misalignment between the two. And it, it needs to start from the top. So whether it's your, your CRO and your CMO or VP of sales and your VP of marketing, like it needs to start there and then get cascaded down in order for it to be effective. No, absolutely, Nick. I couldn't agree more. And uh, you know, speaking of which, I'm just gonna throw this one in there, um, because because you know we are on this topic right now. And uh, how do you think? Um, how, you know, at least from what you've seen in these past couple of months, because you know, short of stating the obvious, this past couple of months is really gonna be one for the history books, right? <laughs> in terms of like what's changed and what's uh, what's been completely disrupted, and not just not just. Um, b2b marketing but across like every, pretty much every uh thinkable uh sector um you know across the global economy um what have you seen that has changed in terms of um uh you know the the alignment between sales and marketing and uh, wh where do you see this going as a result of like you know what the pandemic has brought or left in yeah. its wake rather yeah i mean i think <laughs> i think you know randomly i think it's going to allow allow the basically teams to basically work through deals without actually having to travel places. And I think mm. that's going to be a positive because right. I think it's going to allow scale versus mm -hmm. basically spending time on a plane. But I think what you're going to see as well, it, it, I'm already seeing this in some companies that I've talked to is basically marketing is starting to be comped on a revenue number. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I was a friend that I was talking to this morning was telling me that in the next quarter to two quarters that his comp is going to be changing to be, you know, a, a big piece of it is going to be based on comp and he has the opportunity to make a lot more money. And I, I mm -hmm. was like, you know, I think this is definitely the way that things should go because 
it'll just it'll only tie back things that much better to yeah. to the alignment. And if you know, if if part of your comp doesn't even have a place of of revenue in marketing. I think that's something that this pandemic is going to change uh, big time just because it seems like people are, or companies are really starting to button down on kind of this idea and this topic and there's more discussions around it. But I think it's also been really important to understand how do you actually track the alignment. Um, it's it's something where, you know, the, one of the first questions that I ask whenever I'm talking to anyone is basically, what is the sales and marketing alignment like? Because though when you get, you'll get that answer and that will tell you a lot about the company, the culture, and a lot of other things, asking it to a marketing leader and a sales leader. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how things change further, but I think I, I think it'll definitely be for the better. And I think it's time for, for sales and marketing to come together to fight the good fight together. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that one. But, you know, speaking of which, let's talk about that a little bit further. What do you believe is the key to successful alignment between marketing and sales? I mean, how do you get these two groups uh, to work together in a way that's um, that's coherent and, uh, you know, that, that somehow... Um, the functions and the um, the operations harmonize with each other. Yeah, I mean, I think a big piece of it comes down to communication as well and relationships. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm gonna use I'm gonna use my position as an example. So I'm Please. in field marketing. So basically, my customer internally is sales. That's at the right. end of the day. That's who I need to help close, make money, produce revenue. Um, and I think that being able to, to do that is important. Um, but the relationships is also key. Like I don't want to be, I want to be looked at as a trusted advisor to the sales team. I don't want to be looked at as someone in corporate marketing that's kind of just jamming information down these people's throats. It's, it's, it's a two-way street. There's a lot of information I get from the field that I'm actually able to relay back to corporate marketing that we use in content and other actors like pieces of um, collateral, things like that. And then I actually, I'm also the main point of contact for the sales team that anything from corporate marketing, they need me to push through. I'm the one that kind of pushes that through. And it's, it, it's definitely been really helpful to kind of have that mentality because the relationships that I've built, they, I guess it's kind of like a fine line that you walk between sales and marketing, specifically in field marketing, because it's like you are literally right there with them. They look at you as a friend. You know, it's you have their trust and judgment, basically. And mm -hmm. I think that will only lead to better communication, which will lead to better alignment. Yeah, that's um, those are some really great observations, Nick. And I think you um you brought up uh, you, you brought up so many great points. Um, would, would it be fair to say, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but would it be fair to say that you know somebody in your position um, would you see yourself or your role as uh, more of uh, being an enabler between the two the two sides um, that you're you know you're also helping to push the needle forward a little bit, and you know this um, this pandemic has also given you that opportunity to like disrupt what you you know you, what you've done in the past and uh, improve it so that you can improve um on the on the performance of um you know your organization 
Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think so. I think it's and I think it's important to start there, especially in B two B. Like you'll see, mm-hmm. field marketing be kind of the glue that that pulls it all together. And like I like to think of myself as like a quarterback that's kind of like, you know, pulling all different plays from a playbook, but ultimately is the one that kind of brings it all together and makes sure that we're scoring the touchdowns that we need to score. Fantastic. And uh, I really appreciate that you exp- uh, explained that the, the role of a quarterback, because some of the listeners are not from North America. So. <laughs> I got to go back to being a big sports, big, big sports fan. Yeah, no, that's no, that's fantastic. And uh, thanks so much for that. Um, Nick, let's take a glimpse into the future. All right. Uh, you don't need a crystal ball. Just, 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 just try to think like, a, like 10 years from now. Okay. So we'll narrow it down to your area of expertise, right? And just to think about the dream situation, you know, in your opinion, what would a successful sales and marketing team look like to you? Yeah, honestly, I think that both sales and marketing roll up under a CRO. Mm-hmm. I think that what's going to happen is, and you're kind of seeing it in some companies now, but the CRO is ultimately in charge of both sales and marketing and the CMO title is phasing out a bit and i'm sure that over the next couple of years it will continue to phase out and mm-hmm. you create one organization between the two i think that that will 100 percent create more alignment but between them but i think another piece of it is i think just we need more companies to have basically have make sure marketing is held accountable to a revenue number. Yeah, you can you can look at MQLs, you can look at a bunch of other metrics that lead up to it, but at the end of the day, whoever is in charge of the marketing org or, you know, whether it's a VP, CMO, CRO, there needs to be some type of number that they say, "Okay, I'm going to commit to this number for the quarter or for the year." Um, and then basically everything that plays into that is we'll back in and we'll f- find out those answers. But I think those two things are super important to make sure that alignment in a perfect world happens. Yeah, I mean, that that um, that answer in itself and that insight, I, I mean, in my humble opinion, that, that, that was really gold. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you brought up such a good point when you mentioned and you know, you talked about it earlier in the conversation, but that marketing, um, you know, should also be held accountable for um, for the revenue that it um, helps to bring into the organization or generates for the organization rather. And you know, um, I couldn't agree with you more because you know these are these are things that are these are patterns that we've seen unfold even before the crisis, right? I mean, like there was conversations uh, there there were conversations about these or or people were talking about that already in 2019, but it almost feels like. Um, if anything, the pandemic has um, accelerated the pace at which uh, uh, you know some of these um, some of these changes have um, taken place. If I may say so. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think I think it will definitely. I mean, I, I'm interested to see how even like short term this this next year kind of turns mm-hmm. out. I mean, with I mean, think about it. Like when this all happened, marketing budgets were slashed, yet you're expected to get the same results that you were to get even without COVID. So how do you how do you basically get that money to stretch? And then just knowing that every dollar that you spend is going to be scrutinized. Um, it's even more important to have that alignment to make sure that from a marketing side of it, the the leads that you are producing 
are being basically converted and turned into opportunities will, which will hopefully throughout the journey turn to close one revenue. So mm. I think it's, I think, you know, COVID has even made it more important for the alignment. And I'm interested to see this next year, how marketing budgets change. Um, I, I have no clue what it will be like. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, like, quite frankly, I think we're all we're all trying to, like, uh, figure that out, right? And trying to, like, navigate through this period of uncertainty. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblake.co for more information. That was such an insightful observation. And um, I'd like to jam on that a little bit further um, because, and you know, this is something I brought up a couple of minutes ago. You know, the current crisis has, you know, disrupted the global economy. It sent shockwaves through several industries. And whether it's in North America or in other geographies, I mean, thousands of employees are still working from home, right? And they continue to do remote work and they will most likely continue to do so well into 2021. So, you know, Nick, um, you know, in your role, you're, you're probably having uh, many like uh, sales calls on a daily basis. And, you know, you're dealing with clients as you've just um, mentioned a couple of minutes ago that has, you know, come back to you and said, Hey, listen, um, Either our, our budgets have been reduced or they've been completely taken away, but we're still expected to like, you know, generate results probably even more than we did last year. Um, although very obviously the circumstances have changed. So what kind of advice have you been giving um, to those types of clients that see themselves in those circumstances? Yeah, I mean, now's, now's the best time to basically think outside the box, be creative, be mm -hmm. like, don't be afraid to try things because think about it in a virtual world, everyone is doing the same thing. How can you stand out from everyone doing the same thing? And the people that figure out the creative piece and how to kind of think outside the box are going to be the ones that succeed. And like you said, yeah, I mean, marketing budgets will probably stay the same, if not go down again, maybe slightly up next year. But I guarantee yeah. you that the results that you're going to be required to do are going to go up just because it's, it's that's how it is. So oh, yeah. those people that are working in silos will not be successful. Those people that make it more of a team environment and, and literally come back to the sales and marketing alignment and make sure that that is tight as anything and then tying in their creative piece as a marketer, you know, that's what we do. We're creative. We try to think outside the box. Those are the ones that will be successful both during and post COVID. Right. Right. And, and, and that's a, that, that's such an incredible insight too. And, um, you know, would you say, uh, Nick, that this, you know, this whole, um, concept of, um, making these, making these changes that you were talking about, like in terms of the marketing function and how they, how they then become, uh, you know, accountable for more revenue. Um, do you think that um, it, it's it's harder to do that? It probably is, um, you know, in larger organizations that have been traditionally known to be fairly slow to change. Or do you think that that's apl applicable across the board? I mean, like that that's also like to a certain degree, like the the case in like small and medium companies or startups. Like, what's your what's your take on that? 
Yes, yeah, so, so you're, you're absolutely right. The companies that are bigger are going to have a harder time adapting to this. And yeah, they may have a bigger budget and you know bigger mm-hmm. marketing team to figure it out. But uh, personally, I've th- I'm on my, my fifth startup slash high growth company right now. Right. And like, I wouldn't go back to ever work for, for a mega company. It's just, it, it's not what I do. And I feel like a lot of creativity just isn't allowed to be expressed sometimes in, in those types of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like it's so much easier to build that alignment with, you know, a, a small to medium sized company. And I'm talking like, you know, a hundred to 700 employees, like you could still have a lot of success within that range, um, without much issue. Right. Right. Okay. Well, that's, um, that, that's a, that's a great insight. Um, we're going to touch on a subject that I know you're, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're pretty passionate about, and you, you, you do write, um, about it at length, at least on, um, on LinkedIn. Um, there's a, Few um, and you know you can call it what you will. Commonly held beliefs, conventional wisdom. <laughs> so some might even call it myths nowadays. So there might be a few of those in your field, um, especially when it comes to field marketing. So here's the question: Talk to us about one such belief that you passionately disagree with, and why. Absolutely. This is easy for me. Okay. <laughs> the, the biggest thing is people think field marketing is, is only events. And I could not disagree with that more. Um, you know, there's, there's two types of field marketers. There's the field marketers that care about events and there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's what they do. Cool. Um, but then there's the, the modern day field marketers that truly care about revenue and being that quarterback that kind of pulls it all together and making sure that you're a trusted advisor to the sales team. Um, those are the two big things. And, and, you know, I run into this a lot where I have salespeople be like, oh, you're basically just an event planner, right? Like if, if, if I ever had a, like a nickel for how many times I've been asked that question, it's, it's unreal. And, and, and to all the field marketers out there, or, you know, just marketers in general that are maybe thinking about going down that route, it's your value to the company you work for and to yourself is so much more. Don't pigeonhole yourself into thinking that field marketing is only events. It's, it can literally be what you want. Events is a part of it, of course, but there's the campaigns that you're running. There's ABM. Like it's such an integrated part of any demand gen strategy. And I think it's important to know that. Well, wow, that is an awesome answer, my friend. <laughs> was, I've thought about it a lot. No, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, clearly. Um, but you know, I think you've uh, you've broken it down so well. Why you disagree with that? Um, I, if I if I may call it like a misconception about your, you know, um, a role that somebody like you has, right? And I think the other thing that was so interesting that you brought up was, um, and this has absolutely like this is not necessarily just related to like the pandemic or the the current. Um, global situation but i think you know being in the kind of um you know uh workplace that you currently find yourself in i i i believe you've also been given that uh authority or that you know you've been empowered to just like define your own role and the value that you contribute um not just necessarily to your organization but also to your customers am i right to say that absolutely yep yeah fantastic so moving on from commonly held beliefs to what is the one thing that you believe people should start and one thing that you think people should stop doing 
when it comes to field marketing? Yeah. So one thing people should should start doing is, is mm-hmm. talking to your customers. I mean, it's if if you're not if you not even just field marketing, but just marketing in general. If you're not talking to your customers, especially during a pandemic where these budgets of these your customers are also getting cut, then you know you have a bigger issue as well. But like, just think about it. Like, get on these calls with your your sales team, or just go and call customers to basically just ask them questions, see how they're doing. It's it's incredibly important to um, you know protect the base and, and being yeah. able to expand the the deals and customers that you do currently have. Because who knows, you know, a lot of these prospects that you have in your pipe, they they may have their budgets cut and they may say, oh, well, you know, your service or product is, is not really a necessity anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something that people should definitely start doing. People that something that people should stop doing is, is really just focusing on, on events. Um, and just, you know, it goes back to the commonly yeah. misbelief, but just, you know, don't just do events like being able to align with sales, being able to know what works in Boston doesn't work in Toronto and vice versa. What works in the West coast doesn't work in London. It's important to note that every geography and territory and region all needs kind of specific things that work for them and messaging that goes around that as well. Um, So I think it's just important to just stop that and just branch out Another thing that, you know, I would go back to the starting piece is if you're in field marketing, you should be running a deal acceleration program. Like right. you should be trying to pull deals forward through a variety of tactics that you can do. But I can tell you from firsthand from running them that mm-hmm. they make a huge impact at a pretty fair cost, actually. Yeah. Um, so definitely recommend that, too. Yeah, I mean, Nick, you brought up so many great points. I mean, like, where do I even start? Um, you, you meant you, you mentioned about like you know, um, and, and I think this almost uh, this is almost a given. But like you know, people should continue to have that conversation with customers. They should continue to talk to the market, right? And and, and if anything, it's just to just to show to your clients that you're that you're there for them, especially during these very uh, ch- uh, you know these challenging times, right? Even if that not doesn't necessarily translate to an immediate transaction. Um, and and the other thing that you know people like uh, people like myself always talk about because I'm the branding guy. Um, if you started out your year with a plan, and in that plan, especially if it's a marketing plan, you were talking about the target personas and the customer journey maps that you developed, chances are that those have changed now, right? So you need to take that opportunity to go back to talk to your customers and talk to the market to see how you can iterate that accordingly, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And the, and, and I think the second point which you brought up, which I which I thought was great, was, um, I mean, short of stating the obvious, running events right now, might not be at the very top of the priority list, at least at least not in-person events, right? I mean, virtual events might be, um, right. but I think you brought up some great points about like, okay, well, if you can't do events at the moment, what other options do you have, right? So you you brought up about the the accelerator programs or even other other channels or like other. Um, you know, other initiatives that you can, you, you know, you can move forward because, um, you know, it really depends on um, who you're targeting as well, right? And, I, you know, uh, what, what resonates with them. Exactly. Yep. Fantastic. All right, Nick. Here we go. Um, best career advice 
that you've gotten that is um you know that has influenced you and or had had a positive impact on your um you know on your professional career uh, absolutely. So if I can give any advice to anyone, whether you're in high school, college, early on in your career, mm. it would be to build your personal brand on LinkedIn. Um, I'm incredibly passionate about this. And I think it's something that if you think about it, you know, say you're in college and, you know, you're getting out, starting to get into the workforce, but you have built your personal brand, you've connected and networked with like-minded people that you want to basically talk to. Just mm. think about how much further you would be. Than, than everyone that's not doing that. And I can tell you that there isn't many people that are doing that right now. I actually had someone that's a senior in a college in, in San Francisco reach out to me earlier today. And she was just asking me questions about personal brand, how to tie, you know, revenue marketing together. And we had a really nice conversation. And, right. um, you know, I, I always... I always try to reply to people on, mm. on LinkedIn, whether it's through comments, whether it's through messages, and especially those who are still in school that have mm. advice around brand and just you know revenue and marketing in general. I'm always trying to make time to, to talk to them because I want to make sure that the you know next generation of the workers that are coming out here um, are, are ready to, to make a big impact. Can we all say an amen? <laughs> that, 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 that was such a great answer. And, and you know what? Good for you for being so responsive as well. Like, you know, I, I, I for myself, like, I really appreciated that you, um, that you responded to, um, you know, my comments to your post and, uh, you know, because that clearly, um, you know, what you wrote about clearly resonated with me as well. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's important, like, you know, there's there's some some bigger well-known influencers that are out there and, and it kind of bothers me, you know, you take the time to write yeah. a comment on their post, but they never respond to you. Right. And it's just like, okay, you know, yeah, you might get a few other people who are reading their content respond to yours, but you wrote a content to answer their question or their theory or their yeah. thought, hoping to get something back. And so if someone takes the time to write a comment on anything that I post, I will 100% respond to it every single time. Um, and maybe it's something that doesn't require a long response and it's just like a short like emoji or something. Mm -hmm. But, um, <laughs> you know, the people that put thoughtful answers or questions mm. inside the comments, I definitely make sure that I, I, I spend some time on those. No, that's uh, that's great, um, Nick. I mean, this has been such an excellent session. Um, thank you so much for um, you know coming on and sharing. Um, I probably already know the answer to this question. I'm just gonna ask it anyway. <laughs> What's the best way for people to like get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely. You know, find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm very active on there, so you won't have mm -hmm. that hard of a time. But also for any marketers that are out there that are listening. Definitely check out Rev Genius. It's a free Slack community of uh, there's about six thousand people from sales, marketing, rev ops, um, and it's literally an amazing place to just kind of get to learn from other people, both you know early on in your career, yeah. you know even like seasoned execs are in there as well. So you can find me in either of those places, and I'd be happy to chat with you. Fantastic. Nick, thank you so much for your time. I mean, this has been such a fun, um, engaging and spontaneous session. And I, you know, I look forward to continuously jamming with you on all things B2B marketing on LinkedIn. I mean, like seeing that you post on a daily basis, I've just got to like keep a lookout for those posts, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, same here. It was a right. pleasure. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Um, stay safe and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Likewise. All right. Thanks. Bye for now. 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you.